0: Number 96, 542, Uh, Walter McMillian versus Monroe County, Alabama. Mr. Stevenson.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it
0: please the court.
1: Before the court on the question of whether an Alabama county is liable for the unconstitutional actions of its sheriff, uh, where the county's voters uh, select and elect the sheriff, where the county's treasury funds the conduct of the sheriff, where the sheriff's jurisdictional authority is limited to the status of the county as one of Alabama's 67 counties. At the outset, I think, in thinking about this issue, it's important to acknowledge that no one disputes that the sheriff is a final, a final policymaker in the area of law enforcement. The 11th Circuit found that the sheriff, Alabama Law, gives the sheriff in Alabama final policymaking authority in the area of law enforcement. The respondent concedes that the sheriff has final policymaking uh, authority in this area. The issue arises... Mr.
2: Mr. Uh, Stevenson, uh, I assume that uh, the plaintiff here also sued the sheriff. That's correct. And if there's a judgment against the sheriff, who pays it in Alabama?
1: The evidence in this case is that it will be paid by the county. That is, that the county has taken out an insurance policy. So
2: what difference does it make whether you can join the county? If you're going to get a judgment against the sheriff anyway and it's going to be paid, what do you care?
1: Well, uh, the, the, the policy is kept, Your Honor, and, and because we don't know yet uh, whether the, the county has the option of disclaiming the conduct in question, uh, then it does make a difference.
2: Presumably, if you sue the sheriff and get a judgment, somehow that money is going to be produced to pay the judgment. That's not
1: required under Alabama law. That is, what happened in this case is that there is evidence, and again, the evidence is not developed, Uh, that the county has elected to take out a policy which may cover the sheriff's conduct here. And while we think that's relevant in deciding uh, the county's interest in this matter, it's not dispositive of whether the petitioner will have access to uh, county funds. And it's certainly not required under Alabama law. You
0: you suggest perhaps in other Alabama counties there might not be an insurance That's correct, Chief Justice, Mr. Chief Justice, that that there may not
2: be. Has there ever been a judgment against a sheriff in Alabama? in a civil case or a 1983 case in the history of Alabama has there ever been a civil judgment against the sheriff in his capacity as sheriff yes and ha- have the judgments been paid
1: not necessarily by the counties no
2: but have they been paid somehow
1: uh, it depends on the solvency of the sheriff if you mean can, can a judgment be collected by the individual sheriff? I think that's, yeah, that the answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, we can recover from the sheriff. But our position is obviously that where the sheriff was able to affect Mr. McMillan's, the petitioner's arrest, and to put him on death row pretrial and to suppress evidence that was withheld from the prosecution, he did that because he had the power and status given to him by the county. And we think that 1983 ought not limit the remedy.
2: Well, maybe it was given to him by state law or by the state constitution. Certainly the sheriff had the power and the authority to take the actions apparently that he did. Well, yes, but
1: under Alabama law, the the, the provisions that deal with the conduct in question here make it clear that he exercises that authority For the county. On page uh, 86. I
3: I suppose, correct correct me if if I'm wrong, I I would suppose that if in Alabama uh, the county is liable for the acts of the, uh, for the judgments of the sheriff, that would not necessarily follow in a 1983 suit because you'd still have to comply with Monell.
1: That's right. And and we think that's how the 11th Circuit dealt with this issue. The, The 11th Circuit held that because the sheriff's law enforcement authority is not shared with some other county official that the county is somehow not liable. We think that's a misconstruction of this Court's opinion in Monel and its progeny. This Court has never held that only local legislative bodies uh, can make policies for which a county is liable. Uh, Just in the same way that a mayor can create a policy that the city council is not responsible for, the city council does not control, uh, he nonetheless makes a policy, if it's final, uh, that would subject the city to liability.
3: Are are you asking for a rule that if the Of final policymaker is elected by an entity here, the county. That entity is necessarily responsible for the judgment. Uh,
1: not entirely. It does not turn entirely on the election by the county's voters. We think that's an important element, um, uh, J- Justice Kennedy, but it's not the only element here. What else is
4: there? I, I really don't see what else you rely on.
1: Yes. Um, well, well, there are several things. Sec- the, this the second factor, in addition to the county's election, the voters' election, is that the county pays for. The county equips, the county funds, the county provides the resources for all of the sheriff's law enforcement functions. And the county actually does that with some discretionary authority. There's reasonable reasonable stat, uh, language in the statute that deals with the commission's authority to authorize a budget and to authorize expenditures. The third
4: thing... I say the county does this, but the county does this under compulsion of state law. That's it's correct. by state law. It's not a matter of self-governance in which the county decides we will provide so much money to the sheriff.
1: That, that's correct, Your Honor. And that's true of all of the county's functions. That is, the county commission exercises its authority over roads, well, et cetera, In under, this
4: state, but not in all states. But, that's correct. ...do, do have uh, do have charters in which uh, the, the counties are self-governing.
1: That, that's correct. And, and I guess our, our position is that, that that's not required to treat trigger municipal liability for these purposes. The third thing is that the county's Ms. authority...
5: Before you get on to the third thing, yes. staying with the money, um, do I understand correctly that it's also the coroner and the tax assessor that are paid by the county, but other people who are elected, say the district attorney or local judges, are paid by the state? Is that that's, that's correct. Um, in, in Alabama,
1: the district attorney is not necessarily limited to a particular county. The, 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 the judicial circuit that was created for Monroe County is a judicial circuit that includes other counties. And so the district attorney receives his or her check from the state, from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, and that's true for the judges as well. And so there's a distinction between the sheriff and those other judicial officers.
5: How about the, the car and the tax assessor, who are paid by, by the county? Are they... Um, final decision makers in their realm, unreviewable by the Commission as well? Uh,
1: Yes, Justice Ginsburg. They are county officials, paid by the county, elected by the county. They get their resources from the county treasury, much like the sheriff. But yes, they have final policy-making authority in their respective areas. Uh, inquests uh, for the coroner, tax assessments, and and that
0: sort of thing uh, for the um, uh, tax assessor. The county commission then, and that's your form of county government in Alabama? That's uh, correct. Could not instruct the tax assessor to do things in a particular way? Not in compliance with Alabama law. There
1: is no uh, statutory authority for the county commission to direct the conduct of any of these county officials. And that is why we contend that there need not be some sharing of authority before the county be uh, liable. Um, the third thing, Justice Scalia, would be the
4: I, I knew you'd get back. Yes, uh,
1: <laughs> the third thing would be the jurisdiction of the county. Alabama law has created 67 counties. They have legal status. That legal status matters in the area of law enforcement because the sheriff here cannot conduct any law enforcement functions outside that jurisdiction. The fourth thing that oh, I... Now, well, d-
4: wait, let's talk about the third for a minute. Okay. Are you saying anything other than uh, the sheriff has no authority outside the geographical limits of the county? Well... I don't see why that makes him necessarily a county official. Certainly you can have state officials, each of whom has jurisdiction within each of the various counties.
1: Yes, uh, but I guess my point would be that if there are state officials that are part of some state command then their jurisdiction and their authority and their ability to perform the functions which they have been trained and and prepared for aren't necessarily limited to that jurisdiction. The chief of command may pull them into another division. For example, we have a Department of Public Safety in Alabama that has ABI agents, Alabama Bureau of Investigation agents dispersed across the state. They may be assigned to a particular area, but if the head of that division decides to move them to another part, to Birmingham or Mobile, there's nothing about their status or their function or their jurisdiction
4: which limits that. What about the prosecutors you referred to earlier, the state prosecutors whose jurisdiction exceeds the county but does not exceed the judicial district? Can they be moved to another judicial district?
1: Uh, Yes. um, I I don't know that they can be moved in the sense that someone can assign them, but they have authority to prosecute cases in other counties uh, at the direction of the court they have the authority to sometimes be sort of uh, prosecutors when there's some conflict between an, another local prosecutor in another jurisdiction uh, and, the, and the defendant or the victim in a particular case. So in that sense, I think they're more properly seen as state officials who might be able to exercise some legal authority in some other area. Are they elected by the county? They're elected by the Judicial Circuit, that is, uh, if the Judicial Circuit is bigger than the county, then everyone in that Judicial Circuit uh, would would be the voting... Is
4: that any different from the sheriff of of one county being able to enter into another county in hot pursuit? Do you have any hot pursuit law?
1: Well... I think it's different in this way, uh, Justice Scalia. Um, there may be exceptions where exigencies might give the sheriff the opportunity to conduct some conduct, but they're recognized as, as exceptions. They're recognized, in some ways, as giving permission to the sheriff to exceed lawful authority. I understand that,
4: but it seemed to me that, 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 that the instances you were describing of the prosecutors being able to act elsewhere were also exceptional instances. Basically, they were limited to the, to the judicial district to which they're assigned.
1: I think that's a fair criticism, but I think it's less exceptional. Exceptional, both as a matter of practice and as a matter of law, for the prosecutor to engage in this kind of con- conduct someplace else. And I think this point is emphasized by the next thing I'd stress, which is that the Alabama law requires that another elected county official take over law enforcement functions if the sheriff cannot perform them. That is, the county coroner under Alabama law uh, assumes law enforcement functions for those circumstances and times when the sheriff can't do that. I think that's because that the uh, state law recognizes that the county, the county's residents, have some investment, has some stake, have some authority over, at least the selection in that limited circumstance, of who should be performing the law enforcement functions in that particular community. Uh, the other things that I would point to uh, would be the many references in Alabama law that clearly designate the sheriff as a county official. Um, we cited in our brief and I'll cite again or just acknowledge again uh, that the Alabama Code, and this is at our brief at page 21, explicitly identifies as county officers the sheriff of Alabama, uh, the sheriff of a particular county. The Constitution, uh, I think, identifies I him as a state official. What the Constitution does, uh, Justice Breyer, is identify him as a member of the executive department. And we don't dispute that. Uh, When you look at that language, however, what the the Constitution says is that the sheriff is a member of the executive department, and the the words they use uh, are sheriff for the county. I'd like you to get your answer to this,
6: which is the problem that's bothering me the most Mm -hmm. from your point of view. Uh, If I looked at uh, Alabama law, the Supreme Court of Alabama, in what I think is the most closely analogous area, the most closely analogous question would be, for state law purposes, is this sheriff a person, under tort principles, where the county is held liable under respondeat superior? And the Alabama Supreme Court says no. It says the sheriff of the county, for jail purposes, is not considered an employee of the county for purposes of imposing liability upon the county. So if that's Alabama law, and they're saying for purposes of imposing liability, responde superior in tort, he's not a county official. How do you get around that problem?
1: Well, I think that Alabama law is in conflict on the question, on on that particular question, in in part because the Alabama courts have clearly said that they want to immunize uh, both the state and counties from tort judgments uh, for this kind of conduct we don't think though obviously that's not going to, to resolve the federal question which as this court has always acknowledged what would
6: the that, but what, when you say conflict i have a case here called king versus colbert county may 7th 1993 and it seems to say, quite clearly, the sheriff is not considered an employee for purposes of imposing liability upon the county. That, that's right, Justice Is that right. in conflict?
1: That, that's not in co- There's no conflict about the tort liability of the state or the county with regard right, so to So Then
6: why should 1983 impose respondiat superior constitutional tort liability upon a body that states do not impose respondiat superior liability upon?
1: It shouldn't. The federal question here does not require this court to impose respondeat superior liability. If you accept our view, you recognize that the sheriff is the county official who engages in law enforcement authority for the county. So in that sense, he is the master. He's the superior. No one is under his control in a way, or he's not under someone else's control that we're asking to make that party liable. What the Alabama counties have done is shield counties and states from liability. That's something they can do under state law. But our position that federal, uh, Section 1983 was intended to provide federal remedies for people like petitioner.
0: But you, but you are asking us to hold the county liable for the actions of, of the sheriff. It's not as if you were saying well, we're just after the sheriff. No, that's right. Well, well, what I is respondiat superior? Well,
1: Mr. Chief Justice, our position is that it's not in this respect. Uh, Our position is that because the sheriff is a county official, because he does exercise final policy-making authority for the county, and the county controls that sheriff in the sense that they elect him, the county funds that sheriff in the sense that they pay for his or her conduct, and that that sheriff is tied to that jurisdiction, that there is this nexus between the county and the sheriff uh, that that does not make this respondent superior. Uh, When Congress was talking about respondent superior, uh, this kind of vicarious liability in in 1871, they were dealing with the Sherman Amendment, which was trying to make uh, counties liable for any conduct by any persons riotously or tumultuously assembled in community. That was liability you know, for everyone, by anyone. The sheriff is not anyone. He is a government official. He has been elected and empowered by the local government to do the conduct that we're complaining about. And under those facts and circumstances...
0: In the Supreme Court of Alabama has said he is not a county official for, for tort purposes. For tort purposes. And that's, that's correct, well, Your Honor. this is a constitutional tort that you're suing for, isn't it? That's true, Your Honor, but with regard to whether the state
1: law immunities bind this court, I certainly our position is that that's not true. This court has always held that federal law cannot be decided on the way in which a state may choose to, to limit remedies under these kinds of actions. Well,
3: suppose it were the other way around. Suppose then the Alabama Supreme Court, in the case that Justice Breyer has discussed, said that the county is liable. Uh, for what the Sheriff does. It seems to me that you would certainly cite that and you would have an open and shut case. Well, so why doesn't it work the other way around? Well, I think if, if, if that was all that was said, but if, if the Sheriff was not elected
1: by the county's officials, if the Sheriff did not have this relationship uh, to the county government, the county treasury, the county as a jurisdiction, we might still have a problem. And I guess that's why I'm saying that the converse doesn't resolve this issue. Under Regents and all of these courts, uh, this court's decisions in the Eleventh Amendment context and in other contexts, we've always made clear Uh, that federal law resolves these kinds of questions. And I think that's consistent with what Congress was trying to get at. Certainly, Congress did not intend in 1871 to provide this federal remedy, only to have state courts then decide that the Constitutional officers or the county officials involved in this kind of conduct can be shielded from federal uh, remedies uh, by designating them as something other than the county officials that the rest of the code uh, identifies them as being. And Justice Breyer, my, my conflict term was a term not about tort law per se, but about all of these other provisions in the Alabama code that clearly designate the sheriff as a county officer, and the Supreme Court, the same state court, has held the county sheriff to be a county official in other contexts. When it's a question of pension or employment, he's a county official. Uh, when there's a question about um, the discretion that the county commission uh, has to not make payments for law enforcement of functions, the sheriff is a county official that then has legal authority to make the county commission give him or her the resources to do, those, do that kind of conduct. Mr.
5: Stevenson, I'm, I want to know who we bracket uh, the sheriff with, and so I'd like to go back to the coroner and the tax assessor to see. Yes. Is, the same, is the answer Justice Breyer's question about race-bounded superior the same thing? With respect to those officers, or is the county liable for their common law torts?
1: If the county is liable for the coroner's conduct. I am not aware of any uh, state law that deals with the tax assessor in that context.
5: So the, the state does. Ha- the county has has respondeat superior liability for the coroner.
1: Yeah, yes. Again, I would resist the framing of that that liability as respondeat superior. In our view, the, the tax assessors of the coroner are different parts of the power structure of the county government, just like the mayor and the city council and the
3: alderman. If, if, the, if it's not responding its superior, what, what, what is it? Uh, if, if, it's, if the president of a corporation does something wrong and, and the corporation is sued, don't we say that's responding at superior, or am I missing something? No, that's right. Uh, but if a body and, and if the mayor of a city does something and, they, and the city is held liable in the judge, isn't that responding at superior? I,
1: I don't. In my, in my understanding, no. That would be basically the city being liable for the conduct of one of its officials. And we'll now use this terminology of but local. Right, but leg-
3: the city itself hasn't done it, other than through a human agent.
1: And yes. And so, in that sense, the city is the person that is represented by its official. In that context, the official uh, with final if policy... If it's not
3: responding to the fear, what is it? Some, some, some uh, semantic legal category that I've never seen before? Right?
1: Well, I guess uh, it, it would be the city's office officials making policy for the city in a way that creates liability for the city.
7: Isn't it simply imputed liability? I think that's a fair statement. I mean, any of- corporation is liable only by imputation from its officers, and the only reason we're worried about responding at superior here is that we've got a case that says we don't have su- respond at superior liability in, uh, under 1983 in the sense that there's got to be a a, a, a policy condition met. But, but respondia superior is a variety, certainly, of imputed liability, and this is imputed liability, right? That, that's, that's correct, Your Honor. And, and in Alabama, they say there is no imputed liability is between the sheriff and the county. With regard to state law. With respect to state law, you say that's a federal question and that does not bind us. That's correct.
1: Because the county does engage in the kind, the same relationship that exists between the county commission about whom I think we have to concede uh, does have authority to make policy that would create liability for the county. The same relationship between the county commission and the county, that entity. And you're right, that county, that city can't go out and arrest somebody or subject someone to the kind of conduct that our client was subjected to. Well, when, the we same inter- re-
3: when we're interpreting one now, why, why don't we use this, this, why aren't the same policies that... Um, uh, Informed that decision as to responding at superior, applicable equally as well to imputed liability
1: because I think that the the, the Congress intended to make localities uh, liable that is the
4: treasury of the
1: lo- locality it
4: liable it, they, it intended to make municipalities liable because they were like corporations that 's why we decided Monell, the way we did that, that in fact uh, they were municipal corporations, but surely it is an essential characteristic of a corporation that its board of directors can decide what happens within that corporation. But you're coming before us here and saying that this is a corporation which should be liable under 1983. However, the sheriff is not subject to the commands of of the board of directors of the corporation, namely the governing body of the county. That's that's what troubles me the most, that this doesn't fit into the into the whole theory of Section 1983 liability for municipalities, which is that they are like corporations. Well,
1: I think two things, Justice Scalia. I think in imagining the structure of this corporation, we have to imagine a board that has not only a county commission, but a sheriff, a tax assessor, and a coroner. So in that sense, we're not asking for you to do anything different than you would do in that traditional context. This is just a corporate structure that has four elements. A county commission here dealing with one part,
4: a sheriff over here dealing with another part, a coroner, and a tax. You say just a corporate structure that has four elements? That's a corporation I never heard of. You well, know, I think it's just a person that has four heads. Well, that's, uh, the, I mean, well,
1: that's the second thing I'd say. That is, uh, when Congress passed this law, they made it clear they were talking about bodies politic and corporate to embrace just these kinds of jurisdictions where the power is separated, where the power is directed to various officials. I mean, in some ways, it would be, I think, sort of exceeding the court's authority to impose on municipalities a single view of governance. That single view meaning that you have to have a single corporate body that makes all of your policy decisions in order for that, for that municipality to govern. I mean, Alabama has chosen to divide these powers in the ways that provide the sheriff with some functions, the county commission with some other functions, and the task assessor and coroner other functions. And I don't think that the federal law would require that to change.
4: But the decision was not to make counties liable. That was not the 1983 decision. The decision was to make corporations liable. Counties became liable only because they were corporations. That was the whole basis of our analysis. Well,
1: I I guess our position would be it was also to make these political bodies that have status, that have power, to engage in the kind of unconstitutional conduct, to empower someone to do the kind of unconstitutional conduct that took place here, to to make those uh, municipalities liable for that conduct. Tom Tate, the individual, could not have Uh, subjected our client to threats of summary execution, suppressed the evidence that resulted in his wrongful conviction, and six years on death row for a crime he uh, didn't commit by himself. He could only do that with the power given to him by the voters of Monroe County. Mr.
5: Stevenson, do we have cases involving actors who are admittedly county actors who are not responsible, not answerable to any board of the county, but who are have been held decision, final decision-makers they are, uh, who trigger Monell liability.
1: Uh, Yes, I think this court's decision in Pembauer is precisely such a situation, where this court found that the county sheriff and the district attorney had final policy-making authority in the area of search and seizure and arrest, and that the county uh, could be held liable for that conduct. And And in a variety of contexts, this court has done that. Uh, so it's not a novel notion to, to hold some other entity other than the local legislative body as a final policymaker uh, who can create policy that, makes, that binds the, the municipality or the county liable uh, for that un- unconstitutional conduct, particularly where here the ability to do that is dependent on the power, the authority, the status, and the resources provided by that municipality. I mean, again, Tom Tate, the individual, could not have done what he did to petitioner without the resources, without the funds, without the power <clears throat> given to him by the county. And under those circumstances, it's our view that, you know, federal remedy ought not turn on the personal sovereignty of yeah, the yet, individual yet
0: wrongdoer. The, 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 the county commission ha- has no authority over it. Th- th- that's correct, in the same way that they have no authority for other county, or over other county officials. And in that so res- to, to say that he couldn't have done what he did without... The, the county uh, re, really is, is not quite accurate. He couldn't have done without what he did without the authority vested in by the Alabama statutes to be a law enforcer. And the resources provided to him by the county commission. That
1: is, in that sense, his relationship to the county, that is, we distinguish between the county commission and the county, the body politic. Uh, in that respect, the county commissioner's relationship to the county is no different from the sheriff. If the county commission creates a policy that's unconstitutional, the same control questions would exist. The same access questions to the county's treasury would exist. There's no difference, functionally, between the relationship between the county commission and the county and the sheriff and the county. the
4: the sheriff does not enforce county law. I mean, the, the county doesn't make policy in the sense of of enacting any ordinances which the sheriff enforces. He enforces only state law. That's true, Justice. And it doesn't doesn't make any policy in the sense of controlling his actions either. It can't give him any directions, can it? No, that's true.
1: He is the final policy maker in this area. Can
3: you give me an example of some policies that the sheriff in one county might make that a sheriff in another county might not?
1: Certainly. The policies here a policy that would subject someone to racial threats and and assaults, a policy that would remove them from the county jail.
3: Any other legitimate, give me some examples of some legitimate policies.
1: Well, I mean, there are a whole range of legitimate policies. They might have a procedure for arresting people who are charged with DUI uh, that
7: requires that they either do a breath. And this
3: can vary from one county to the other because the sheriff sets that policy. Yes,
7: that's correct. That's correct. Going back to the sense in which he he speaks by and and might perhaps or speaks for and might be controlled by the county, the most important sense, I suppose, is is that in which he is elected. You've given a whole laundry list of of sort of characteristics on the basis of which you say uh, we should conclude that he's a county official. Would, would you put the the fact that he is elected by the voters at the top of the list?
1: Absolutely, Justice Tudor, because that is the most meaningful control over this sheriff. This sheriff engaged in this conduct and was reelected by the county. That election says something about the county's approval, if you will, of this conduct, and we certainly believe that 1983 ought to play a role in deterring that.
7: But even,
3: even if there were no
7: basis to say that they had approved, that's correct. they at least would have the power to disapprove. Absolutely. And, and I suppose that's what we're getting at with, with it's imputed tort line. A- Absolutely. Can they disapprove? They, they have no power to impeach him. They have no power He's to impeach him. impeached by state officers, isn't he?
4: he like every, the attorney general or, or, or the legislature? That's correct, Justice Scalia. Like so they they really have, you, I mean, yeah. gee, the, the power just to elect somebody without the power to remove him, I well, don't know that that's real control.
1: I think that really? removal power is regulated every four Does years. they have to vote for him the next time? No, they do not. Right. And every four years they will have the opportunity to exercise that removal discretion. I'd like, if I can, to reserve the rest of my time for rebuttal.
0: Very well, Mr. Stevenson. Mr. Smith, we'll hear from you.
8: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, our position is that an Alabama County cannot be held liable under Section 1983 for the actions of a sheriff for two principal reasons. First, the State Constitution, as has been noted, expressly designates sheriffs as state officials And follows up that designation is by treating them as state officials for such purposes as the procedure for removal from office and uh, the absolute immunity that is only given to state constitutional officers, immunity from state tort liability. But you
7: recognize, I take it, you you, uh, accept the fact that it's ultimately a federal question, not a
8: state law question. Well, this court has held repeatedly that the identification of municipal policymakers turns on an analysis of state the law. identification of the policymakers
7: does, but whether, in fact, the policy is to be imputed to the county.
8: Uh, or to any municipal corporation is a question of federal law. Is well, I think not? it's kind of an intersection between state and federal law. You have a federal statute that says we'll hold you liable under certain circumstances. One of the circumstances is where the municipal government has enacted a policy, and then the Court says to determine whether it's a municipal policy, we're going to look at state law to determine... No, I the think we look at state law to
7: find out who, in fact, has control over the policy. Who is, in fact, the policymaker? Correct. We look to state law for that. Right. But whether, in fact, having identified the policymaker, the policymaker will be treated as a, as a state official or as a municipal official of some sort, that is ultimately a question of federal law, is it not?
8: Well, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the distinction. It seems to me what you have to do is you have a certain federal standard that, you, that has to be met, and then, then you, you match that up against a set of state requirements or state structural uh, features of the state government and you decide, ultimately, does the federal law, does the statute that Congress passed in 1871, in, was it intended to impose liability oh, right. But American I think standards? I think the distinction is simple. We look
7: to state law to find out who, in fact, under state law, is setting policy. Once we have found out who that person is, since there is a difference between state immunity and municipal liability under 1983, we then say, as a question of federal law, is the person so identified, a state officer or a municipal officer, And that latter question is
8: one of federal law, isn't it? No, Your Honor, I really don't think you can answer that question uh, without looking at state law as well to determine- Well, you have looked at- you mean state law binds the
7: question whether for 1983 liability an individual is a state officer or a county officer? I'm not talking here about whether it, it it presents interesting evidence. I'm asking whether it is dispositive, whether state law is dispositive
8: on that question. Well, I I would have thought it clearly was not. if, if what you're asking is, can there be a situation where we would disre- where the court would properly disregard a label that says he's a state official based on other circumstances that are present, such as the fact that he actually, day by day, works for the county commission, and so therefore there's a concern that the state statute that designates him a state official is fictitious, I think under those circumstances that would be appropriate, because the two factors that I was going to outline at the beginning were, one, okay. what the law says the scope of the municipal corporation is expressly, and two, who does this official work for it is, and who is he, who's he controlled by and I do think that if there, are, there are situations where if in fact the person is controlled by the governing body of the municipal corporation that fact would be enough to make him a municipal policymaker, regardless of the express statements of law but, if but the gets, converse
7: would not necessarily be true would it Well, I think if If he is not controlled by, in this case, the county commissioners, it does not follow that he is not a
8: county official for purposes of 1983 liability. That's true, too. I think if it it were true that he was expressly uh, designated a county official by law and the the court determined that the state statute said this is the county policymaker for X area of governmental activity, but but we want him to be autonomous from this other governing body over here. I can imagine state law doing that, too, defining
5: the Suppose they said just the latter. They said, we want him to be autonomous from the county governing body, but we're calling him what he is, a county officer, works within the county, not outside, but he's not in any sense answerable to the commission. Right. Okay. Is he a final policy maker for the county for whom there is Monell liability?
8: If the court were to determine that the state law established the contours of the municipal corporation such that the corporation includes not only a governing body, but another autonomous board or official who is supposed to be part of that municipal corporation, that we have a kind of hydra-headed corporation under state law. If the court were to conclude that that's what state law said, then, yes, he would be a municipal policymaker. So you can have a situation where autonomous boards or officials are within the scope of the of the municipal corporation because that's what the state decided to do. And it may be fairly frequent in big cities. That the, the so
5: that if this person were designated county officer, as I take it the coroner and tax assessor are, then you would not have any question about well, I, I, on their liability. If you're asking okay.
8: about those specific individuals, I think that there's, there, those, are, those are kind of borderline cases where there's indications that go both ways. For example, the tax assessor works for the state as well as for the county, collects tax for, taxes for the state as well as for the county. He's supervised very closely by the state. But you don't have anything like the kind of express designation of a state official that we have here with the sheriff. I'll stay with the coroner then. OK. Uh, as to the coroner, he's, he's elected in the county, and he's, he's called a county coroner. He performs inquest functions, which kind of work with the yeah, state's commission. But, so
5: but you're saying that that officer would be considered a decision-maker, final decision-maker, although not responsible for, to the county commission? And there would be municipal liability or county liability. My position,
8: uh, Justice Ginsburg, is that that's certainly possible, that if the full analysis of the law about the coroner came to the conclusion that the state intended him to be a county officer making policy for the county, his autonomy from the county commission would not by itself preclude that conclusion that that he is a... All right,
5: so (laughs) he he has that autonomy. Now, what else would we look to 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 determine whether he was a county... Officer.
8: Well, you would look at what state law says about whether he's part of the municipal corporation or not. And here, the state law is quite explicit on that subject and says not only is he autonomous from the county commission, but he is a state officer who is a member of the state executive department. Mr.
9: Smith, you, your second point, as I understand it, was you, you, the label itself is not enough. You couldn't just pass a statute calling somebody a state officer, as I understand you. You look at actual control to have uh, uh, significance, and in this case, If you ask about the day-to-day activities of the sheriff, not things that would justify impeachment or or failure to re-elect, but whether he assigns four officers to a district or two patrol cars and so forth, who controls him in that regard?
8: Well, with respect to his day-to-day uh, activities, m- many of them are controlled by other state officials. The one you mentioned about where he's going to put his patrol car, got a fair amount of He's assigning
9: his personnel to different tasks.
8: On, on those issues, he's not supervised by anyone. That's, so he's the final people.
9: authority on those issues.
8: Yeah, but you, there's several things you should understand. Much of his work is, is under the, the supervision of state officials, state state uh, prosecutors, the, D, the DAs are state officials, the no, judges. I'm
9: talking about assigning policemen to arrest people and what part of the city to, to patrol and... Right. and how long hours they work and that sort of thing. Right. To the extent that he's, he stays he's in, the, final in, in con- on the, the
8: confines bay. of what would be an impeachable offense in Alabama, he's, he's, got, a, he's got final say on that. Sure.
4: Well, wait, it, yeah, but, but, I mean, within the confines of, isn't anyone ultimately within the supervision and control of whoever has power to remove him from office? Yes. If this sheriff, for example, decides to have no police cars, and the Attorney General says, we have a whole county here that is not being policed, they have no police cars... Wouldn't the attorney general tell the sheriff, get some police cars,
8: or you're out of there? That's exactly what would happen. And then the governor would, ha- would say, you, 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 I want to report again, on my desk in the morning to, about what should are He doing. has
9: to do something sufficiently serious to justify impeachment. But, the impeachment- but just working eight hours instead of nine hours or seven hours instead of six, that
8: sort of thing, he, he's the boss. But the list of grounds for impeachment, Justice Stevens, include incompetence, neglect of duty, yeah, intemperance. How often are
9: these county officials impeached? Very rarely, I assume, but they run their offices eight hours a day, seven days a week, 30 days a month, and they make hundreds and hundreds of decisions that are not supervised by anyone else.
8: Well, that's, precisely, that's precisely why he's treated as a final policymaker, and, and that, that is the way government is set up in many places. All right, that? so if he's minutes, fun- you
7: don't... I'm sorry. Please, go ahead.
6: Going back to Justice Souter's question from before, <laughs> which is, if, if that's the test of the... the if. If the question is who can control him, I suppose the people who have the greatest power, just as Justice Souter mentioned before, to control the actions of the sheriff are the county voters, because if he doesn't do the right thing, they won't elect him again. And, and if, so if that's the test, why isn't he then a, a county official? Indeed, any state official who is elected on a county basis would become, for Monell purposes, a... Uh, a county official. Oh, why not? That's uh, fairly clear. People pay the piper, call the
8: tune, and uh, well, they're paid at a county level, and he's elected at a county level. Local election doesn't tell you anything about whether a particular official is part of a municipal corporation, separate and apart from no, the no, state No, 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 that's
6: all quite right. But you'd say that the person, well, all we're interested in really is what hat is he wearing when he performs these actions? Is he wearing his state hat or his county hat? And there isn't much to tell us but w- except for the fact that the county
8: people elect him and they pay. But w- with respect, Justice Broward, the, 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 the reason that we have public liability under Monell is because there are separate corporate structures that exist. And so the, the saying that he's locally elected and locally funded may be relevant to the question of whether he's a local official in some colloquial sense. He was a separate
6: corporate. I mean, I just think that probably Monell basic, well, different people, I don't know if we'll go into that in great depth, but, but basically you're, you're, you're trying to say the people, or at least where it's policy, whom you work for normally pay. But of course they don't if it's the state. But of course, they because don't. Justice, the sovereign system. immunity. So the real question is: Should the sovereign immunity principle apply here, and say why should it when they're elected
8: at a, a, a county level? The reason that the reason that the state doesn't pay under 1983 is not sovereign immunity, Justice Breyer. It's that the statute only imposes liability on persons. And the only reason there's liability on anybody other than the individual wrongdoer in any case is because municipal corporations are treated as persons. In order to get there, you have to look at whether or not we have a person here, which we is... Do a, he's the sheriff, and which hat's he wearing? Well, the sheriff is, is clearly being held liable. The question is whether there's some other person that he is acting for when he acts. And that person, the county, under state law, has nothing to do with him. He's not part of the corporate structure. Mr. Okay. Well, I, in- I
4: assume that the members of the Alabama legislature, are they, are they elected locally? Absolutely, Your Honor. And, and can they be removed from office by the local voters?
8: I believe it happens, yes. And are they considered local officers? Well, under the rule of local election, I, I suppose they would it be. They would but, be. Uh, clearly, one needs to look beyond that. Well, Do Mr. Make-
5: Breyer said it was at least pay. Local election and local pay, which would distinguish your district attorney, your state judge, and your legislator, right?
8: Well, your Honor, it wouldn't dis- distinguish the local district attorney and the local district judge. They are elected locally. They work in a building that is paid for and operated by the county commission. Okay, and and, and salaries. their salaries are supplemented routinely by county commissions.
5: Supplemented?
8: Yes. Not all of their salary, but part of their salary. Oh, so we're getting down to a fairly take small. Take these
5: two things election plus full pay, not supplement.
8: My position, Your Honor, would be that those factors tell you literally nothing about whether that official is inside the municipal corporation or outside the municipal corporation, because both of those things could exist, and state law could still make it really clear that this is a state person who's who's answerable to the state and not part of the way they decided to set up their municipal corporation. Counties are very narrow things in Alabama. They have these specific functions. They don't have home rule. And for purposes of of state law, the county commission and the county are really indistinguishable. So the notion that there's this sort of free-floating geography that includes everybody into a corporate structure... Is there any individual
5: for whom a county in Alabama would have Monell liability other than a member of the county commission?
8: Certainly. There's a county administrator who's uh, essentially there, keeps the paperwork flowing and, and... deals with routine matters within the scope of the areas that are run by the, uh, the uh, county commission and they, they run the road system. A lot of different kinds of, of things that could be done by people who work for the county in the strict sense, the county commission.
7: If, but only if they are executing, on your view, county commission policy, right? Correct, yes. Okay.
5: Then let me amend my question and say, is there any person who makes final policy which I take it the, the sheriff and the, and the coroner would do in their realm for whom a count, county in Alabama would be liable, uh,
8: as I th- think I said earlier it 's possible that one could come to that conclusion about the coroner, depending on an uh, overall analysis of whether
5: or not the state intended to treat them as independent county officers i don 't i don 't th- understand it intended because we 're not talking about a particular case. We're talking about an office. Yes. You would say that a member of the county commission there would be liability and you wouldn't look to depend on the particular case. We have all the law that there is about coroners already on the books. So how do I mean you, you are very clear about how you type the how you type the sheriff. Why shouldn't you be equally clear one way or another about how you type these other offices?
8: I, I think the law on the coroner is much less clear. I mean I think you have Factors pointing in different directions. You have autonomy, which is my one, my, one of my factors, pointing in one way, and you have some laws which say he's a county official pointing another way. Here, however, we have autonomy of an official expressly designated and consistently treated as a state official under state law. So the factors are pointing the same way.
7: Well, you say he's consistently treated. He's called that in, in some places. Let me go back on the question of policy to an answer you gave earlier. Uh, I think the, the hypothesis was, what if the sheriff doesn't want any patrol cars on the roads and the attorney general comes along and says, yes, you ought to have uh, cars out there or five cars out there or whatnot. Was it, was it your answer that the attorney general uh, could make that policy decision and, and make it <coughs> binding on the sheriff? I, I do not think
8: that the attorney general could call him up and order him to, to add an extra squad car to his patrol. Like right, to no patrol I more carefully. The, 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 if, if he had decided to not carry out his law enforcement functions, which is what the question was, certainly that would be an impeachable offense. The governor, well, sort of
9: that. it
7: it would not give policy control to anyone in particular. It would simply mean that he was impeachable by whoever does impeachment in Alabama. I forget who it is, but it it, it would not follow from that that there was any policy control from the impeaching authority to the
8: sheriff, or else we would be subject to the policy of the Senate. The reason I focus on the impeachment provisions, Your Honor, is not because I think that it it makes the attorney general the policymaker, but because the law in the Constitution expressly differentiates between uh, state and local officials on the kind of impeachment procedure that applies, and they centralized control in 1901 over sheriffs by making them impeachable only at the state level based on the Attorney General's one, okay, okay, one I, reason,
4: is, is, is there any reason why uh, the impeaching official cannot warn the person? who's subject to impeachment, unless you do something, I will impeach you? Of course not, Your Honor. The Senate can't do that to us, presumably, but that has to do with the separation of powers. Could the Senate do that to uh, to, uh, a a senatorial, uh, a congressional officer?
8: Sure. Sure. Here, here, though, because he's a state constitutional uh, officer as well, the Governor has the authority to make him report on any of his activities. And the way the constitution was set up in 1901, any false report that was made to the governor is by itself automatically an impeachable offense. So, that, in practice, what can happen much more easily than an impeachment is that you get called on the carpet by the governor, and uh, your misconduct or your misfeasance would then be publicized. And, and the governor has a fair amount of practical control over sheriffs oh, what's for that.
7: Influence, sure, but I take it. I'm sorry. I take it it's still your position that the impeaching authority in Alabama is not the policy setting authority over the operation of sheriff's departments in Alabama counties. That's not
8: your position. That's absolutely right. I don't don't quarrel with the idea that he has a fair amount of discretion to make his own policies about how he's going to carry out Nobody else does so far as as
7: law enforcement policy by the sheriff's department for that county. No one else has it, does it?
8: Which is precisely why it would seem strange to me to take a law which is supposed to have a much narrower rule of liability than responding at superior and apply it in this context. Well, it is narrower in the sense that there has got to be a policy from condition met that is the
7: sense in which it is narrower and that that condition would be met if in fact the sheriff is the policy maker for that county but then you would have I don't care whether you call it Responding out superior, call it imputed liability, whatever label you put on it, at that point, 1983 says, yes, the county may be held liable. Sure, but, but, but the, the, what I'm saying is state law doesn't say that.
8: And state law doesn't say that, but 1983 and Manell does. No, 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 no. State, state law doesn't say that he is a county policymaker. It says he's a state policymaker expressly. So, it, But nobody at the state level can control the policy. Well... That's because he's got delegated authority under state law, which is what defines a policymaker. But the VA is a state be, be. policymaker too when he prosecutes somebody. Lots of people have policymaking but authority. Everybody's
7: authority under Alabama law, or I presume the law of any other state, is ultimately, if, if a, is ultimately delegated by state law. Sure. Counties have the authority that state law gives them. Governors do. Sheriffs do. So the fact that there is ultimately a state law answer who has the policy-making authority and what is its extent that doesn't get you anywhere for monel purposes because that's a wash item that's that's going to be true everywhere all the time
8: but the the aspect of state law i was referring to was the the saying that he's a member of the content of state state laws uh, uh,
7: smith let me just be sure
9: i got one one point in mind you say because he's a state official he's implementing state policies when he decides how many patrol cars to put out and so so forth but that means then if I understand if all 67 sheriffs have different policies within their own counties you have 67 different state policies because they're all of state officials which is true uh, with respect to I, mean, I suppose it's theoretically possible but that's that's really the theory that all of these differing policies are all state policy
8: well all locally based state officials can that have policy right. making authority can set within the confines of state law set but really the state policy.
9: policy is that he, he, they've delegated the authority to the sheriff to do what he wants to do
8: well that's what a locally that's based state official does or is, he has is, is
9: that, I mean is there any sense
6: in which there's a general state policy. What I'm thinking is, if you have, perhaps, the state representative for city streets of a highway commission, the state highway commission, there'll be some official in each county who's in charge of highways. And I bet they have a certain amount of discretion. But I would imagine, also, they meet from time to time at the state level. And there are more general state policies, too. Is there anything like that here?
8: Well, I'm not, I'm not familiar with a particular thing where all the sheriffs come to Montgomery and, and meet about what they're going to focus on. There is a certain amount of coordination that occurs. For example, there are drug task forces that regionally occur, and sheriffs' officials, in fact, do go outside their counties and, and work uh, collectively in a particular region. Any, anything in the state
6: capital or any group of people at the state level who would feel that they have responsibility, even at a highly general level, for coordinating the policies of the individual county sheriffs? Well, you have the Attorney General. Does he actually do something? Well, has he ever written a paper or has he ever issued a, an order or a suggestion which says, I think that the sheriffs in these counties should follow the following policy at a very general level? Is there any document like that that's ever been written?
8: I think um, you're exceeding my knowledge about how things work in practice in, in Alabama. I do know, though, that the sheriffs work very closely with the district attorneys, which themselves work. Closely with the attorney general's office, and so uh, there is going to be a certain de facto coordination. You you know, law enforcement can't be separated completely from prosecutorial activity, and those are state officials—the district attorneys, locally elected, partly locally funded, working in a county building—but they're state officials. So,
3: suppose uh, suppose a state uh, or a sheriff in in the state of Alabama runs on a platform and he says he's going to have five different policies, uh, one of which is going to be to uh, uh, interpret federal constitutional rights at their narrowest uh, when he's interrogating prisoners. Uh, in, certainly in a lay and if the voters uh, uh, vote him in, certainly in a lay sense, uh, in a, a, a common sense uh, use of the term, we could say this is the policy of the voters of that county, couldn't we not?
8: You sure could, yes, but that wouldn't be the, the test that should be applied under Monell. I mean, if, obviously... Uh, in, in, with any elected official, state or local, it, it, there's the, you can make the argument that the voters are responsible for what they get and they ought to be ultimately have to pay for it. But that policy doesn't make any more sense at a local level than it does at a state level.
0: Well, you could say the same thing, I suppose, about the local district attorney or the local uh, judges of, of, of the circuit that the county people vote for. If they had a certain platform, you could say that... Uh, that
8: the, the, that was the county or the circuit's play- uh, policy. Well, that's why I say, 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 Mr. Chief Justice, that, that local election doesn't really be, move the ball down the field. It doesn't tell you whether he's in the, co- the municipal corporation or not. Maybe purpose, more likely.
5: Mr. Smith, is there any purpose Jeez. for which the sheriff ranks as a county officer? Is there any any capacity in which... Under Alabama law, he counts as a county rather than a state officer.
8: Not not that I can think of. If you look at his other hats that he wears, it's much clearer in all of those contexts that he's a state official. He takes direct supervision from the state circuit judge in in the circuit. He works directly with and for the state district attorney. He's supervised as a jailer primarily by the State Department of Corrections.
5: Are you saying he's all one or all the other, so there's no people who are... Sometimes county offices and sometimes state offices. I, I,
8: I'm saying that in this instance, he's not. It's possible one could set the law up that way, that, that people have two different functions. And in one context, they're supervised by the county commission over here, and they're setting county policy. And in another context, they're working with the judges over here, and they're clearly implementing state policy. Well, that- let's
5: take the supervision out of it, because the one thing that we have to have is a, is a final policymaker, otherwise there's no case here, right?
8: Sure, but that doesn't mean that final policymaker has to be w- without anybody who could come in and check what they've done or supervise them. I mean, the power is delegated by one body to another. The, the second body can still be a final policymaker. It's, it's relevant, yes, I think, where the but you have already from.
5: clarified, I think, that you don't have to have a policy, a, pol- a commission over you in order to be a, a final decision maker for a county within Monell.
8: Yes, if state law is express and clear enough that we're still going to treat them as part of one single municipal corporation, that's true. Now,
4: Mr. Smith, can you tell me again what what are the uh, uh, you say in in some respects? Uh, the sheriff, in some of his activities, he is supervised by other state officers. Clearly. And cle- in none of his activities is he supervised by county officials. That's,
8: that's absolutely Wh- right. Which ones well he, is he, he is, supervised by? Well, he serves process for the state judges and executes uh, judgments, all of that. Is the, 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 he, there's a specific statute that says the general supervision for all those activities is with the state circuit judge, and clearly he's following orders from the state circuit judge and the state district judges in that capacity. And he, when he's working uh, with the district attorneys, once they get involved in the law enforcement activities, he's working for them as well. Uh, so uh, there is a fair amount of activity there. And, and in the operations of the jail, the, the Department of Corrections has, has uh, r- reports. They come in, they inspect, that sort of thing. So there is, there is uh, all these different ways in which he intersects and he supervises by state officials. In no respect, however, does the County Commission have anything to do with what he does other than having its obligation to give him this money. And certainly the law is clear that that obligation can't be turned into leverage to uh, control those activities. If a county commissioner were to say, we think you need to be put, putting more emphasis on drug policy and your law enforcement in this county, and we're not going to give you all your money until you do, there'd be an injunction in state court within hours. It's just clearly grossly improper for them to attempt to do that, and there's no indication that it's ever been
5: done. Mr. Uh, Blackburn, do I understand from your argument, both on brief and here this morning, that uh, you think that the First Circuit in the Blackburn against Snow case reached the wrong conclusion. Yes.
8: I do. I think it was focusing on a, on a county as a unit of geography and not as a municipal corporation, and said, to the extent that he's elected by the county voters, we're going to treat him as a county official. And I think that test is, is both unjustified under the principles of Manel and go, proves far too much, because you have lots of locally elected state officials uh, who, who, under any theory other than just looking at election, wouldn't be viewed as part of a municipal corporation. Oh,
6: yeah, you could have, I mean, yeah, like- Not that I necessarily want to defend an opinion on which I was on the panel. (laughs) (laughs) Nonetheless, I I guess in in that what I thought that that was involving in is that you can have a county official or a city official who is not responsible to anyone else in the city or county for the policy. The question here is what hat is the sheriff wearing? His county hat or a state hat? Not whether there's some other person in the county, government, who might control his action. Right. Right, then that being so, it's clear, isn't it, that the 11th Circuit's reasoning was wrong. I mean, they were looking for somebody else in the, in the county that had this policy. So one possible thing would be to... Tell them they're wrong and let them work it out. Well, no, I, is, that, is that
8: right? No, I don't think oh, that's 100%. right. What they were looking at is whether or not, in exercising his discretion to enforce the law, he was acting for the county. And they said the county doesn't have anything to do with law enforcement. Counties don't have the authority. Right, but to have that would be
6: the issue. Whether county, the question is, did the sheriff have something to do with law enforcement? Clearly, he did.
8: And then what hat is he wearing? And it can't be a county hat if the county doesn't have any role in law enforcement. That's what they were saying. I mean, you could say it different ways and arrive at the same conclusion, which is to say he's a state official by law. He's got authority that's unrelated to, to the county commission's control. When those two things point in the same direction, you come to the conclusion, I think, that this is not county policy. Well,
2: Mr. Smith, if you're right and the sheriff in Alabama is purely a state official, then should the K action have been dismissed against insofar as it was brought against the sheriff? No, 1983?
8: Indi- in his individual capacity, he's, he certainly could be held liable if there's a fine. But
2: not in his official capacity.
8: That's true. Is your position. That's correct, Your Honor. The, the, they only brought it against him in his official capacity on the theory that uh, he was a county official, and, and I think the courts properly looked at the, the suit against the county and the suit against him in his official capacity as being essentially identical, because obviously you can't sue him in his official capacity to the extent he's a state official because the 11th Amendment and the statute wouldn't authorize it.
5: What about the insurance? It was Mr. Stevenson mentioned when he he was asked uh, who would be liable for the ordinary torts. And he said he thought the county would under some insurance policy.
8: There is an insurance program which covers sheriffs for certain torts, not other torts, not intentional torts. There's a serious question here whether he would be covered. But, but I think the fact that the county, in addition to paying his salary and providing all of his equipment and, and everything else he uses, has also bought insurance for him doesn't by any means indicate that it uh, that doesn't have any great significance. It doesn't make much difference one way or the other uh, in terms of indicating uh, which but, had to Why would authority. they do that? Why would they
9: buy the insurance? Well, they don't have no interest in law enforcement, why would they buy this
8: insurance? Well, they, they, for the same reason that they, they, they pay for his salary and all the other things they do. They provide what he needs to get to the law enforcement in the but, county. But
5: they're required to pay the salary.
8: Well, they're required also to provide for his reasonable needs.
0: Thank, Thank you, you Mr. Smith. Uh, Mr. Stevenson, you have two minutes remaining.
8: Uh,
1: I'd, I'd like to at least suggest that the court not accept this notion that the sheriff is a state policymaker Uh, Under the law that's been provided, there are two provisions which point to the sheriff having some uh, state identity. The constitutional provision, which we contend is a label and is at best ambiguous because the label says sheriff for the county. And then the state tort law judgments, which we contend are not relevant here. The rest of Alabama law repeatedly refers to the sheriff as a county officer. And the 11th Circuit did not hold that the sheriff makes policy for the state, precisely because, as Justice Stevens suggests, that's kind of a difficult notion. He is not like the Department of Public Safety employees who are subject to some state hierarchical command. What the respondent then tries to say is because there's this removal authority, somehow the state exercises control. The removal authority in Alabama is applicable to all county, municipal, and state officials. They can remove a mayor, a county commissioner, a city commissioner, and in that sense does not help us resolve this uh, this question. The third thing is that we've identified in our brief at pages 23 and 24 all of the state law enforcement provisions that identify state law enforcement officers. In those provisions, the sheriff is never referenced, never included, which I think is, again gives good evidence to why the sheriff is not a state policymaker. And then finally, if we're not going to accept election and funding and status as a county official, as the governing rationale, then the county commission is not a county official either. Because their relationship to the county is also dependent on three factors. They're elected, they're paid, and they're identified as county officials. Nothing else in Alabama law makes them any more of a county representative than the sheriff. And in those respects, we think it's not only appropriate but necessary to hold that county liable when If resources empower somebody like the sheriff here to engage in the kind of unconstitutional conduct against petitioner that could not have happened but for those resources. Mr. McMillan would not have spent six years on death row unless the county gave the sheriff the power to arrest, to stop, to withhold evidence, and to do the other things that violated his rights. And under those circumstances, it's certainly our position that the, 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 the federal remedy ought not turn on the personal solvency of the wrongdoer. It ought not turn on that because that wrongdoer's uh, conduct was not made possible solely by that wrongdoer's uh, initiative or, or conduct. Uh,
0: unless there are further questions, I'll, I'll proceed. Thank you, Mr. Stevenson. The case is submitted. We'll hear arguments.